Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Whose podcast is it anyway? Episode 35. Welcome to my mind there. Tragedy has struck the little town that I live in. I often say that I live in Wausau, Wisconsin, which is relatively true. I actually live in a little suburb of Wausau, and there was a lot of trouble in that burb a few days ago. I'm sure most of you know what happened. If you don't, I'll give you a quick rundown, and then we can get on to what I want to talk about. On March 22, 2017, a man walked into a bank around 12.30 p.m. and caused issues. Police were called, and the man left the bank. Police were again called at just before 1 p.m. on a shots-fired call. This was the, at the same bank. The man, an estranged husband, had walked into the bank to kill his wife. He failed in that, but he shot and killed two other tellers at the bank. Then he proceeded to the law offices of his wife's divorce attorney and killed her. Then proceeded to hole up in his apartment building for several hours. In the process, shooting and killing a police detective that was attempting to secure the perimeter around the, the apartment building. Then around 5 p.m., the police went in and they apprehended the suspect. He was shot, and as of today, he is still in a coma. I tell that background, and a lot of you will understand my confusion and my feelings as I continue on about this. Around 1.15 p.m., I got an automated call from my daughter's school and that the school was on lockdown due to a bank robbery in the area. This was soon followed by an email from the school. The proximity of their school made me nervous, but as my wife pointed out, The suspect was a bank robber, and they wanted to get to the highway and away with the money as fast as they could. It made sense. Then the community started hearing about the shootings at the bank and then at a lawyer's office. This was starting to sound like maybe it wasn't a bank robbery. Then we heard about the divorce and that he had killed his wife's attorney. This made us a lot more nervous, and then a second call from the school telling us they were still on lockdown and would continue until the sheriff's department gave them the all clear. Now, as a parent, I felt useless. What could I do? There was a madman on the loose in my town. He had killed three people. The fourth would be found out about later. A mere half mile from my home and less than a mile from where my girls go to school. I couldn't go get them. No one was being allowed into or out of the school. And I thanked the school for that. They did exactly what they need to do. So I listened to the radio and every breaking news moment to see where the police were active and if they got the suspect. People kept saying that the police should just take this man out. He's obviously a, He obviously has a death wish, and that he was obviously crazy, and we don't need someone like this in our town. To which I say that we should not, that we should keep him alive. If he w- truly is crazy and not in control of his own facilities, then we need to have mercy. If this, as some people state, was premeditated, we need to have him alive to make sure that it was, and then we have the laws in place to deal with such things. Asking that the police or anybody else end the man's life because of what he did is wrong. Now, a lot of you know I am a supporter of the death penalty, but we don't have the death penalty in Wisconsin. That means we must follow the rules set forth by the state, and we need to try, 
convict, and sentence in due process. I know this isn't what a lot of people want to hear, and I say, let the gunman be one of your family, and tell me if you feel the same way. Just as a clarification, he is not a family member, and I do not know the man at all. Just look inside yourself and tell me if your brother, father, uncle, or cousin did such a thing, would you be as willing to say to the world, take him out? That's all I've got for this week, so let's jump right into um, our guest here, uh, Brian Teeman. I had Brian, he's a friend of mine, a fellow gamer. I've had Brian, We were you were here back on episode 7. Yep. Where he uh, used bright, expressive language to talk about his time at the U.S. Postal Service. Fuck yeah. <laughs> he was a letter carrier there. I'm not sure what he's going to talk about today, but I hope we have as much fun. And in the meantime, until we get there, Brian, why don't you just tell us what you've been up to? Um, not much. Um, normal stuff. Um, yeah, usual. Uh, work and stuff. Uh, I walk a lot. Um, yeah, really, that's about it. That's really summed up my whole existence. So... All right. So what you're saying is you don't have a whole lot to say. No, not really. No. All right. So You're let's. A lot of furniture, oddly enough, but yeah, that's another story. Well, yeah, and and actually, that's going to uh, help me out because I'm going to get a brand new table in my uh, recording studio slash game room. So mm-hmm. it's all a good thing. All right. So let's jump right into today in history, and then we'll get right onto the topic. So today in history, uh, I get all my information from www.history.com/slash/thisdayinhistory. March 31, 1959, the Dalai Lama begins exile. The Dalai Lama, fleeing the Chinese suppression of a national uprising in Tibet, crosses the border into India, where he is granted political asylum. Born in Taxter, China, as Tenshin Gayatso, he was designated the 14th Dalai Lama in 1940, a position that eventually made him the religious and political leader of Tibet. At the beginning of the 20th century, Tibet increasingly came under Chinese control, and in 1950, Communist China invaded the country. One year later, a Tibetan-Chinese agreement was signed in which the nation became a national autonomous region of China, supposedly under under the traditional rule of the Dalai Lama, but actually under the control of a Chinese Communist Commission. The highly religious people of Tibet, who practice a unique form of Buddhism, suffered under communist China anti-religious legislation. After years of scattered protests, a full-scale revolt broke out in March 1959, and the Dalai Lama was forced to flee as the uprising was crushed by Chinese troops. On March 31, 1959, he began a permanent exile in India, settling at Dahamasala in Punjab, where he established a democratically-based shadow Tibetan government. Back in Tibet, the Chinese adopted brutal, repressive measures against the Tibetans, provoking changes from the Dalai Lama of genocide. With the beginning of the Cultural Revolution in China, the Chinese suppression of Tibetan Buddhism escalated, and practice of the religion was banned and thousands of monasteries were destroyed. Although the ban was lifted in 1976, Protest in Tibet continued, and the exiled Dalai Lama won widespread international support for the Tibetan independence movement. In 1989, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Peace in recognition of his nonviolent campaign to end the Chinese domination of Tibet. Why this piece of history today? I, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. After everything that we've went through in our small community, the idea of peace and the idea of moving peace forward is is really at the top of of my mental state at this moment. So I don't know, Brian, what, what are your thoughts on everything that's happened? I mean, you're part of this community too. Um, 
Yeah, well, it was really shocking. You know, this is like, I know at work, um, one of my coworkers, his wife works at Green Heck, and she called him up, and she's like, we're on lockdown because of a bank robbery. And he's like, oh, that's different. And I'm like, why would that, and like, to me, it didn't make any sense. I'm like, why would the bank robber be near Green Heck? And it's like, what bank was robbed? So that was the other thing. And then he we figured, found out what bank it was. And then it was just like, and then he came back a little bit later. He's like, on the news, it says it was a domestic. And I'm like, what? And he's just like, yeah, and the lawyer was shot. And it's like, what? So it's like, the more and more you hear it, the more and more it didn't make any sense. Right. And they kind of started to, and then as, after, towards the end of work, it was like, we started having a complete picture of kind of what happened. You know, this is a matter of, you know, who's and what's, it's really what it came down to. Right. And I mean, all that stuff's been revealed at this but, point, yeah. but I don't think for, for what I'm trying to do here, I don't need to go into details no. of who it was or anything and, like that. Now, but it was, it was a shock. It was, yeah. like, it was kind of like, well, what the hell's going on? I mean, know? for our small community, I mean, yes, we have the occasional murder, but I mean, they are years apart. Usually mm-hmm. there's not, yeah. um, it, it's not a, it's not a culture. Like you get into the bigger cities like Chicago or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. But now your girls go to a different high school than mine. Mm-hmm. Did, did they lock down those schools? No, they did not. Okay. Um, John Muir wasn't locked down, nor was West. Um, West mentioned it. It was mentioned over the lot, over the over the announcements or whatever that okay. something had happened. But they were not under lockdown. I guess Aspirus, our local hospital, was under lockdown, which I think is weird because. We have a hospital that's closer, St. Clair's, mm-hmm. and that wasn't. Well, what I've heard, what I've read and heard, is that Aspirus is actually the trauma center for the area. Oh, okay. So they were on sense. lockdown, and they were also on lockdown because this guy's wife, that's where they transported her for Haven during uh, all of it. So. Okay, I didn't know about that part. Yeah, all yeah. Right. So, all right, Brian, let's get off of the sad, hopefully. <laughs> and <laughs> go on <laughs> oh this is gonna be good all right so what fun and, and fascinating things are we going to talk about today we're going to live create your character for our game tonight okay so to, to step back here people what, what he's talking about is brian and i role play together every sunday sunday uh evening my character uh his name was uh kelly Grimm. Uh, passed away last week um, through the acts of a certain undead crocodile and some zombie juice. So we're going to recreate, or we're not going to recreate, but we're going to create my new character. And we can talk freely about it because nobody in the group, even though they listen to the podcast, they won't hear it before. Yeah, it'll be weeks later. So uh, basically what we're going to do is we all worked for this uh, private eye. And he actually worked for two guys who own his his office. We are going to create one of the owners. Um, we have named him James uh, Barton. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm going to have to exit the James. That's Dan's character's name. Is it? Yeah. You can't have another James. This can be confusing as hell. Maybe Why? Because is. they call him Jack anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we gotta come up, you got to come up with Okay, so we'll have to rename James. him. He won't be James, but he'll be uh, Mr. Barton. And now Mr. Barton's a uh, elderly fellow, somewhere in his mid-60s probably. Um, and somewhere as I get older, mid sixties doesn't seem so elderly anymore. No, it really doesn't. Does it? No. But in the 1930s where this is set, 60 is probably, you know, getting up there quite a ways. So we're going to recreate this gentleman and, um, somewhere along his time in life, he has passed on and then has picked up a demon of sorts called a Mantu. And he is now what the game, um, which is, uh, 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 what is the name of the game, Brian? 
It is. We're playing Deadlands Noir. Yes, okay. And it is a Savage Worlds uh, game. Right. And so somewhere along the way, he has picked up this Monitou, and he has now become what they call a Harrowed, so a living dead. Mm -hmm. But unlike your normal zombies, who are, you know, brains kind of thing, he is more of a... He's... he's intelligent he's able to retain his intelligence and everything about him he's just got a few different quirks about him now mm -hmm. um one he has to deal with the demon inside of him yep um who can from what i was reading can actually kind of wreak havoc on him pretty much whenever it wants to or it can a a attempt to he also has the power to try to stop it stop it yeah it also uh <laughs> he also um has to deal with the fact that um, he doesn't have to eat or drink per se, but every time he's wounded, he needs to eat meat to heal himself. So basically, he eats the meat and it packs itself into the spot that got hurt. Mm -hmm. He kind of smells a little funky. Yeah, kind of dead like. Yeah. 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 So. Unless he pickles himself. Right, which is also funny because he can drink as much alcohol as he wants and it has no effect on him mm -hmm. because the blood in these creatures do not does not circulate. Yep. How do we how do we explain to everybody how we make this character? Well, um, Savage Worlds uses um, the first um, five die types. It uses a D4, D6, D8, D10, and a D12 um, for character creation or not creation, but you use that for your um, for rolling for your attributes. You use that when you're rolling uh, against your skills and anything like that. Um, you also ex you also roll an extra die called a wild die. It's an extra d6. It just helps give you an edge in case you need it. Which, when you have something at, say, a die 4 mm -hmm. or a die 4 minus 2, that die 6 can come in really handy. Really handy. Yeah. And you get a die 4 minus 2 when you're using a skill that you don't have a skill in. So it just it's a modifier to show that for you to succeed at this, it's going to be hard. Hard, yep. The target number that succeed in this game is four, so you're always trying to get at least a four or better. That's the that's that's the base target, just to kind of get everybody else queued up on the same page. And now you know as much as I do. Okay, now um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how many points do I get to spend in attributes? You get to spend five. Okay. When I look at this guy and I think about a guy who's going to a have been a private eye and now b runs a business, I think we're going to need somebody that's smart. Makes sense. Perhaps relatively agile. You know, they have a they have a statistic called spirit, which is kind of your ability to shrug off supernatural things and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I think he'd probably have something pretty high on that because if he did the same type of cases that Jacques does, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to have dealt with that. Strength, I figure he's going to need at least some strength. I mean, you don't want him to be a complete weakling. Mm -hmm. And then vigor, uh, which is kind of, I don't know, how would you explain vigor? Vigor is overall health. It also kind of contributes to your tough. Uh, yeah, it contributes to your toughness. It's kind of it's like the foundation of your because we don't have hit points per se in this game. You're always rolling against that target number. Um, when you get injured, your toughness is your whoever's hitting you for damage needs to hit your toughness or better in order to do damage to you. Okay. And um, so the higher that vigor, you take that vigor, you're going to divide that die type in half, you're going to add two. That's how you get your toughness. And that's, so as the higher your vigor is, the bigger your toughness is going to be. You know, toughness is one of those, it's like, the only thing is, that's the only stat, that's the only way that stat is used. Right. Other than I, if I have you roll a vigor check, and that's like... Right. There's no, there's no or skills or anything that go with vigor? I'm pretty sure there's, there might be... No, there aren't there any. Okay. I don't think there are any. All right, so then to distribute my five points of attributes, I think I'm going to 
Well, now, to explain, all attributes start at a die four. Yep. So I'm going to spend one of my dies in agility. I'm going to spend one in smarts. I'm going to spend two in spirit and one in strength. Makes sense. That said, now we're going to use what's called hindrances. And we already had talked about this a little bit before we went on the air. Being an elderly man, there's a hindrance called elderly. And what does that do to me? That knocks down my strength by one. Takes your strength down by one and your vigor down by one to a minimum of die four. Yep. So now I have a strength of die four and a vigor of die four. So I need to choose skills to go with that. Oh, I also get a minus one to my pace for being elderly. Um, But I do get five bonus skill points with the creation of my character. To any skill linked to smarts. Right, to any skill linked to smarts. And since most of the skills I'm going to take are going to be based on smarts because he oh, okay. is a, uh, you know, he runs a business, so he's got to have some intelligence. I suppose I suppose it could be the partner that has the intelligence, but... Yeah, I could, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's... It depends on what he was doing, but... Right. Yeah, originally it was a partnership, but... So, um, I've made characters before, so it's relatively easy. I kind of know where I'm going with this character. So, I'm going to take Knowledge of the Occult, okay. which is smarts-based. I'm going to take uh, Notice, which is smart-based, which for, if you're a D&D player, that's the same as, like, uh, Perception or something along that lines. Uh, I'm going to take Persuasion, which is actually spirit-based. I'm going to take Shooting, which is um, agility-based, because unlike my last character, who was very anti-violence, this guy was actually a private eye, so he's going to have to know how to shoot. He's going to have to know something, yeah. And then I'm going to take tracking, which is also smarts-based. Your last character was a priest for all intents and purposes. Yeah, he was a voodoo priest, yeah. So, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a medieval um, cleric, you know, bashing people, but he was uh, he was a voodoo priest. So, so then we'll we'll split up the skill points in there. I'm not going to go through all the details here, but um, suffice it to say, in the end, I've got a knowledge at a die ten, notice at a die ten. Persuasion at die 8, shooting at a die 8, and tracking at a die 8. And that uses all 20 of my points. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's... But those are pretty high stats. Yeah, they're high stats, minimal skills. So that's kind of the way I did it. Because what I did is I had the 20, so I took everything at the base uh, based on the stat. So we had a, you know, 8, 8. Actually, I think 8, 6, 8. I popped this one up two more, so... These up one more each, so and that sucked up all 20 points. Good deal. I also have the advantage of being harrowed, and what that does, other than the fact that unless I get shot in the head, I can't be killed. I can be put down, mm-hmm. but I just heal over time. Yep. In fact, you can grow entire limbs and stuff. But I get a plus two bonus to fear, which is something that if you play just basic um, Savage Worlds, they don't have a fear check. But in the... Oh, yeah, they do. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, we've never used it. I, I always kind of forget about it, because I'm usually so excited about getting to the fight. So... <laughs> but like in that. Deadlands, uh, we've seen it more often. Oh, yeah. So... We've run into a lot more monsters, per se. In the other games, we've been... I'm trying to remember what the other one was we played. We've we fought this. those creatures, all those creatures inside the... All the undead creatures inside the uh, volcano, wasn't it? We went to the town where there was a Hellmow, and we did the whole uh, Buffy thing without being Buffy. 
Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's right. That was a fantasy. Pick. That was actually that what could did have we been play before this. Oh, we played Thirteenth Age before this. Yeah. Okay, that's I'm like I'm like sitting there thinking I'm like oh, yeah, Thirteenth Age was more of I mean there was a little undead activity in Thirteenth mm-hmm. Age, but it was mostly we were just fighting bad people. Yeah, we were fighting like bad guys. Yeah. Really, sorry, bad hombres. I'm being politically incorrect. Uh, <laughs> don't get me going on that. All right, so, I mean, that's basically all there is to creating this character. Um, I picked up a 38 pistol. I don't have any magic, per se. I mean, there's a few things we'll have to uh, to rough the edges on here, but uh, for the most part, I think that's pretty much it. I have one more edge I get to take because of the elderly hindrance, because it's a major, um, and I haven't figured out what I'm going to do with that yet. Probably something along the lines of some sort of an investigation, something to help with, you know, notice or something like that. Something to okay. maybe library use. Is that is that an edge? Well, investigation that would be a skill though. Yeah, that's a so, skill. So yeah. did you take that or no? No, I didn't. Um, I took notice and knowledge, and we have enough guys that have investigation that if we yeah, team think, up in the yeah. at the library or something, mm-hmm. it'll be should be fine anyway. So yeah, uh, but uh, let's talk about Kelly a little bit. Okay. So What's left of him. Well, yeah, now you are the guy who runs the game. Last week you put us into a situation where we're trying to search out this specialized zombie juice that not only creates a zombie but allows them to basically make them harrowed, doesn't it? And harrowed light. It kind of um it makes a really good zombie. A okay. really really good zombie. You guys don't actually know there's a little bit more to that. Oh, I'm sure there There's is. There's a little bit more to it than what you guys understand and know, but um, for the most part, yeah, it makes a really good long-lasting zombie. And it can do some other things beyond that. As a GM, I know what it does and right. how it works, and it's just like... Oh crap! That's pretty impressive. So there's <laughs> and there's there's some stuff actually you guys are gonna kind of run into a little bit too beyond that. But yeah, they um so um yeah, but yeah they are uh crap. Where the hell was I? <laughs> the zombie juice zombie without juice. telling me too much oh yeah so um yeah but yeah so you guys found the zombie juice now you just got to figure out what the hell to do with it right um because they have the last week what happened was they found the zombie juice in, in a old abandoned railroad warehouse on the uh, outskirts of uh, louisiana uh, uh, new, orleans. new orleans in a bio so they get there they um they're with a uh a uh, old occasion dude who warned us that the, more or less, warned us that there was going to be this big-ass yeah, crocodile. Yeah, yeah, they told him, right on. Oh, old Saul used to live out here. Too bad I never got to shoot him. And um, he didn't get to shoot him this time either. He did get to shoot a bunch of bloats, though, which are undead, bloated, dead bodies. Which actually gets handled pretty well. Yeah, and we got through the bloats pretty well, but that yeah. that crocodile really messed up crocodile Kelly. Crocodile, you really have to. Well, you know, that's the flip side of that whole Kelly thing was, Kelly shouldn't have really got on top of the alligator. That's well, like a poor life choice. <laughs> well, here's the thing with Kelly: is Kelly was a non-aggressive guy. He didn't he mm-hmm. didn't have any abilities of fighting other than punching something. And I don't know about anybody out there listening or you, but I'm guessing punching a 20 foot crocodile is going to do zero. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. His toughness so, was 16. Yeah, so I would have had a roll and blow dice up over and, and over, over and, and over, to even yep. hit him, and mm-hmm. then the amount of damage you do punching somebody. Pretty small because Kelly was a little dude. He was like five foot two, a hundred yeah. pounds, sopping wet kind yep. of thing. Chad took some of his knowledge and went, "Hey, crocodile jaws only have have the most strength closing, not opening." Mm-hmm. So he jumped on him to try to keep the maw shut at least until somebody could shoot him or whatever. I don't know. I guess I didn't think it through a hundred percent completely. 
But the easiest part of the alligator to get a hold of and shoot is the head, and he was on the head. So it became kind of a, yeah, so what do we do now? <laughs> then the alligator also rolled, which was causing Kelly a lot of damage. Yes, that hurt. But anyway, so what So what the decision made, and, and anybody that role plays know that the decisions made necessarily at the table aren't what would actually happen in real life. Because Eugene and Kelly would not have had the discussion about the, the dynamite in real life. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have had that option of going, well, if I throw some dynamite in his mouth, like I keep his mouth, <laughs> yeah. his mouth up for a second. So you roll off the crocodile, I'm going to throw some dynamite in there, and then everybody just run. <laughs> and it sounded like it was a plan that might work, and then my dice screwed me, as they are so uh, apt to do. And you were out of... You were out of bennies, too. Yeah, because I used those just to uh, not die the first time the crocodile rolled. <laughs> I.e., bennies are little chips that you can, right, they can be whatever the hell you want to. But you get three bennies starting at the beginning of each each gaming session. You can spend a benny to re-roll a dice. And they were spending bennies left and right last weekend. Nobody because we were, for crap. we were fighting a 20-foot undead crocodile. Alligator. 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 Does it matter? It's 20 feet long. It's undead. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. both they both fight pretty much the same. The same, yeah. They get a hold of you, they roll you, tell you drown, and then they eat you. And they eat you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I suppose when you're in the mouth, it really doesn't matter. Yep. Oh, so wait, anyways. is this an eastern alligator? or? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not salt water. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, so Kelly does get a hold of them, manages to hold on even after the first roll. We come up with this brilliant plan. Kelly jumps off the alligator. Uh, Eugene throws the dynamite in there. Kelly goes to turn to run, and he falls down and gets blown up. Pretty much, yeah, he fell down next to the alligator, and then it exploded. It's like yeah. the scene in Jaws, only there's a small black man next to him <laughs> in the explosion. Yeah. And uh, so he's killed by the impact, because I didn't have many hit points. or uh, You don't get that many hit points. I had, I had all my wounds. I was close to being incapacitated, and then I took, like, double the wounds I needed, so... You die. Yeah, we. It was a. It was a. It was a good character death. It yeah, was a, it was a sacrifice kind of for the group kind of thing. But so. then, you and your wisdom. What did like, you do? Oh wait a second. This there's there. The reason the alligator was undead was it was full of zombie juice to begin with. The zombie juice had permeated. One of the cans was cracked open at some point in time, and it's sitting in the water. So that's why the alligator is undead. So anything in the water is going to come back as undead. Um, so Kelly actually had the option of coming back as a herald. So he got to do a couple card draws. He got to draw five cards. If he would have got a joker, he would have actually been redone as Kelly, but he would have been herald. Didn't and happen. Didn't happen. No, it was, a, it was six cards down, so he missed out on that. So he did come back as a zombie, which the rest of the party had to dispatch. But everybody was pretty down, and we were running pretty late, so I just had took it as red. It was one guy... Somebody would have capped him. It would have been pretty quick. It would have been James, too, because he's heartless. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it would have been the bum of the big mouth. Yep, I killed him. All right, let's move on. So, so now, the, in the wake of this, though, Kelly leaves a pregnant fiance. Yep. Who actually works at the uh, private eye office or at the uh, detective office. Leaves an enemy that the group now has to deal with. Oh, yeah. And um, what's his name? Um Roger? No, not Roger. Roger. Yeah, was, I think it's Roger. Oh, crap. So what's his last name? Ah! I don't know, but we pretty much have figured out, we think, that he is actually this um, Simone guy that used to own a railroad, uh, a rival railroad to the one that's now in the south. And um, we believe he's the, the voodoo master that was this Simone 
whatever his name was. LaCroix. Yeah, Simone LaCroix. Now, it, it's it's one of those things where we could be right, we could be wrong. I tend to think we're right, but we're going to find out. I mean, I think it's a story that's starting to come to a culmination and may end within the next week or so, but we'll, we'll find out. So, you know, Kelly, tell, Kelly did give his life. It, it's uh, one of the things as a nonviolent person he would do because he figures if his life is given for the life of everybody else in the group, that's worth dying for. So, I don't know, Brian, what what else? Um, we can talk a little bit about Savage Worlds in, in general, because I know you're a big fan of Savage Worlds, and I have now played a few times, and I enjoy it. Uh, it's a little math-heavy for my point of view, but once you figure out the, the counting by fours, it's not so mm-hmm. bad. I don't know, he's he's quickly trying to find something in the notes from the game. I was trying to find, um, I was trying to find, uh... Oh, his name? Yeah, I was trying to find his last name, uh, but I can't find it. It's not Daltrey, is it? No, 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 Daltrey is the, uh, Texas Ranger that you guys are dealing with. But I'm looking at my, the, my, we have a notebook, it's about half full of notes from all the, all the, all the game sessions, and I'm looking at my wife's notes, and I really haven't gone through this. This is actually quite the little write-up. Oh, yeah, she she does... cartoons of combat. Um, she has drawings of combat. What the hell happens in the combat? Oh yeah, she's um, it's very detailed. It's like this is psychotic. <laughs> this is just amazing. Um, my favorite though is when we started having each night uh, brought to you by blah, and I think the the first night was like Viagra and Cialis or something. Oh yeah, it was like um, Uber, Trojan condoms, Workplace Central. Uh, centralwisconsinjobs.com, <laughs> pellet stoves, Viagra coals. And, yeah, we just, yeah, it, it, it's uh, kind of funny. We go through and each week something will happen and be like, this segment brought to you by whatever. Oh, ocean spray. Yeah, that was a good one too. Legal Zoom. God damn it. Yeah, so. we got too much time on our hands. <laughs> she does that while yeah, we're playing, she, she which does, is, I've always kind of, yeah, which is funny because she never really seems to lose where she's playing either. Mm-hmm. She knows what's going on and she's still taking notes. I'm like, yeah. if I was taking notes that intensely, I would have no um, idea yeah. what my character was doing. See, I can't do that either. It's <laughs> just like when, it, when we play with uh, Zave and a D&D game that we're playing, it's like I I always had the world's scantest notes because it's like, it's like one or two things written down because it's like otherwise... Honestly, with, with, with Zave, um, I don't even take notes anymore because he recaps each month. Yeah, he does recap pretty much. So it's like, I don't need to. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Savage Worlds is a game, and it's created by... It's um, originally written by Shane Lacey Hensley. Okay. And um, it's about... kind of grew out of the old... Um, there's an old game called um, The Great Railroad, Great Railroad Wars, which is actually a miniatures game. Okay. Um, from the late 90s, mid-90s, early, eh, like mid-90s, I think it is. Um, I read a history about it a few years, uh, a while back, and I can't remember it all. And out of that, it was a miniatures combat game. And it kind of grew into a role-playing game, which is kind of actually how most role-playing games start anyways. It's like oh, yeah. Chainmail started as a miniatures game. Um, GURPS, for all intents and pur- purposes, was a miniatures game. And then it kind of just started adding skills and building off of the old Melee engine that jackson came up with so i mean it, it and, and it kind of came out of that same thing it was like a combat board game and then it just kind of grew into a role-playing game over the time i i picked it up in i was listening to a lot of podcasts back in like oh four okay yeah right around there and a lot of people were talking about it and it was kind of like so i was kind of became kind of interested in it a lot of there were a lot of podcasts that people were playing it they were also playing like a large 
it was a lot, it allows you to do a lot of squad type stuff because you you can take enemies out really fast, especially weak ones. You always have a bad guy that's a bad a big bad guy. He's 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 powerful, but the other ones are just kind of extras. And um, I, I like the way he deals with that. With they deal with that, and actually that's been something that's been popping up in other role playing games too. Actually, Thirteenth Age had a which is a D&D variant, as you know, mooks are treated the same way in there, too. You were able to wipe them out real fast. Now, kind of like Stormtroopers. Right. Now, when when this game came about, I mean, it was... It's set up in such a way you can set it in any type of setting, like GURPS oh, was, yeah. where you could do medieval, you could do modern day, you can do... They just um, just released... Um, they just released um, Savage Worlds Riffs. Oh, okay. Which is in anything too and that's that takes place you know you can have characters that are you know a D style paladin you can have a guy in um you can have a guy in power armor you can have a and you can mesh them all together because can, there's all these rifts to go yeah, through there's all these time holes kind of going on um i i always kind of looked at that game before when i was a kid when it was when it was a palladium a palladium thing it still is but um I always kind of looked at that and it's like, ah, let's see. But there, there were a lot of freaking books to it. So I'm always kind of like, that seems expensive to get into. And Savage Worlds is nice. I, I like yeah, it. Yeah, welcome to my D&D addiction. Yeah. It's like, it's real easy to, yeah, it's like, Savage Worlds, you, you kind of, you pick up a book. It's like, all the rules are roughly the same. Each, each different variant kind of has a rule or two that's a little bit different or to try to give it some more flavor. So, you know, it's like, so it brings up that, brings up that flavor or style or whatever it is. But then on the, but then you can, you know, you can change it and add to it or whatever you want to. Right. Um, like, um, I've, I've got in my hand right now, the, uh, Savage Worlds Deluxe book, which, I mean, that has all your skills, your hindrances, your, your advancements. It's got gear in here. It's got, um, monsters in the back. It's even got one sheet adventures in the back. So, I mean, mm-hmm. For this book, which what does this run? If you buy the you buy the little if you buy the little book, it's nine ninety nine. Okay. So and does it even come? Does it come in a hardcover? Uh, not what? anymore. Oh, okay. I don't think there's. I, I have like the big hardcover that this is based on, but I got that when they first came out. I don't think there is a big hardcover anymore. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just like well, for a ten dollar book, it's like who the hell cares? But um. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is like. But I mean, you can get everything, like you said, for ten bucks. Yeah, it's like, it gives you, it gives, it, there's a lot to work with. It's like you can go through and you don't, yeah, you know, it's like you can get through and get by without buying any books. You know, it's kind of like cha- Champions is like that too. It's right. like you could just buy the Champion book, and you could literally play anything out of there. You can play superheroes, you can play, yeah, you know, superheroes, you can play fantasy, you can play, you know, futuristic. If you buy a book that kind of gives you a little bit more stuff to it, you can do that too. I mean, depends on the story you're telling too. Sometimes you don't need to. Right. Yeah, you know, if it's going to be story heavy, you really don't need to f around with a lot of flavor. Right. You know, no. Like yeah. The flavor you're just going to inject yourself, and you really don't necessarily need a lot of extra. Crap. Right. When I run a game, and I've said this before on the podcast, is when I run a game, I create an arc, story mm-hmm. arc. You got your start and your finish, and then you have little things that you want to happen throughout the game. Mm-hmm. But everything else is pretty much written by the game, by the players. Yeah. They will tell you where they want to go and how they want to get there. It. And that's and that's something too I also like about the Savage Rules stuff. A lot of at least the Palladium stuff. Not Palladium. Oh my God. Pinnacle stuff. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. If anybody from yeah, I'm really sorry. But um, <laughs> from the if it's from Pinnacle, a lot of them have a lot of um, most of the books have what's called a plot point campaign, which you guys are playing through. It's called the Red Harvest, and that's allowed. Um, and the way that's set up is actually there are seven parts to it. Each one can be done independently. 
which is nice. So you guys have actually woven other things within that, and other things have happened that have involved other people. And actually, it's been kind of neat, especially when Nikki goes back, when you guys are going to re recap and even look through the notes. It's like, you guys are dead on on some stuff. You guys are way off on other stuff, which is hilarious. Well, um, and that's just because we don't know everything know yet. everything yet, yeah. All yeah. I've got to say is bring back Larry. The guy that we had arrested by the military police. Oh, God, that guy is hilarious. I forgot all about that guy. Oh, God. Yeah, they, they okay, they broke up this smuggling ring involving the mob, and um, Deadlands Noir happens in a United States that um, isn't the United States. It, um, it Looking back at the Deadlands, um, a Native American was summoned and opened up pretty much the gate to hell, and... America, North, uh, North, North America, the U.S. didn't win the Civil War. So there was a CSA, there was a USA, and that's pretty much the, the political breakdown. So Louisiana is in the South, so they are living under the CSA. Um, slavery is actually gone. It actually was pretty much abolished just before the end of the Civil War due to the fact they were running out of people to fight it. So they had to free the slaves. And so it's a little bit different South. It's not the same South that, it's not the same South we all think of. So it's a little bit more egalitarian. Um, it's been kind of really different different for us to play that. Yeah. Because um, it's like, you know, because he had that history lock a little bit. You know, it's just like, we know about segregation. We know about, whereas like, this doesn't have segregation. So. Um, right. And, and that was one of the things when, when I was creating Kelly, who was a black man. Mm -hmm. That was, I mean, that was a lot of the questions I'm throwing at you. are like, no, it's not like that anymore. I'm like, but. He's like, no, no, it's it's just it didn't happen that way, and yeah. the, you know the history doesn't play it that way. So yeah. I'm like, okay, so the fact that Kelly not only was he a black man, but he had a white girlfriend mm -hmm. or a white fiance, and um, got her pregnant doesn't mean he's automatically going to be drug out and lynched. Yeah. Now her parents might still do, well, yeah. might have done that, but exactly. <laughs> society as a whole wouldn't have. Wouldn't have, yeah. So it's you know it's a little bit different, and and I like that writing because it's like it really brought up. Um, the noir book is a good book. I, I like it. And that's, that's another thing, too, I like about Savage Worlds' book. They're a lot like GURPS books. Um, have, you ever, have you read any GURPS books? I haven't. I've never... Oh, so their GURPS source books are boner-inducing. Because it's like... it's They're usually well-written. There's not necessarily a lot of rules in them. Mm -hmm. you know, really, it's all background. And that's really a lot of the Savage Worlds stuff. It's like the first half of this book is all background. Right. So it's like it's giving you the political history. It's giving you a little bit of story. And it's all woven together. So it's like the last half is really the GM section, and that's like monsters and, and you know, story arcs. Right. You know, and, and that was one thing, and that's been one thing I've complained about Dungeons & Dragons for so long, is the flavor text versus all the freaking crunchy rules mm -hmm. is minimal. I mean, even on the, the specialty books, you think, oh, I'm going to get some flavor here, four pages. Yeah, and then it's all like, yeah, new rules and new, new rules. spells. And, and see, that's what I always hate about D and D is it's like it's like you're always adding more and more stuff on like Pathfinder. It's like it's like to get into Pathfinder. I'm watching um, on one of the websites. I'm selling um, I'm selling some books, and people are selling Pathfinder, and it's like just piles and piles and piles of. It's like how do you, a how do you keep track of them all as a right. GM? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like how do you know your player isn't just screwing you outright? You right. Know? Because really, a, a large a, a large pile of rules like that exactly does that. It kind of pits the GM versus that player. Right. That and player might have the book, but the GM might not have the book. Right. Because the and GM doesn't want to shell out the 60 bucks or whatever for that tome. And the thing that I've always done, whether it be D&D, &D, which is the same problem, 
um, as Pathfinder has, where there's just so many books. I'm, and they'll say, can I do this? And I'll say, you have the book? And they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, bring the book. Let's look at it. I say, I'll say, you know, possibly, maybe, you know, conditionally, yes. Mm -hmm. But let's take a look at it. And that's the way I've always done it. Um, it's the same rule, way with a base rule, though, you know, because every once in a while you'll get somebody will be like, I want to grapple. Who the hell knows the grappling rules to D&D? Oh, God, yeah, the grappling you gotta know, rules. you got to know some sort of algebra to do it. Yeah, and the, which is even funnier. In the 13th Age book, um, both of them call it grappling because um, one's one designed – I'm trying to remember what the two guys were. One designed 3rd um, edition or 3.5 and one designed 4th edition. Okay. It's like Tweet and – I don't remember the other guy. This is like Jonathan Tweed and... Ah, uh, crap. Robin Laws? No. No, no, no. no, no, no. Laws does a lot of writing for it, though. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who the other guy is. I apologize, but I, shit happens. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's listening and is pissed yeah, off yeah, right yeah, now. I'm sure, I'm, yeah. I'm sure he's one of the 30 people listening to this podcast and goes, God damn it! <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, but... And they specifically call it... They both have a little side write-up on um, Hensu, that's it. Ron Hensu. They both have a little write-up on grappling and how fucked up it is. It's just like it is. It's and insane. They, and they even called it out and they said, you know, this is this this was our fix, and if you don't like it, we don't care. Don't grapple. It's right. pretty much exactly what they came down you on. You know, and it was always one of those things. It was always the sticking point. Somebody would be like, oh, I want to grab a hold of this, and I'd say, all right. And we used to sit there and then you open up the book and you try to figure out the damn equation. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I just said, you know what? You have grapple that, that tells you what your grapple is. And I'm like, roll your grapple. And honestly, I will do whatever dictates story dictates. Yeah. If he rolls a one, no, he's not going to grapple. But if he rolls a decent number, mm -hmm. and I'm like, story really dictates that maybe, or you know, it'd be a good thing if he if he grapples this guy, or it doesn't. You know, if it's it's if it's somewhere in that ten to fifteen range, I'll just make a call based on the story. Yeah. And that's just the easiest way to do it. It's gonna. And actually, I was just gonna. I was gonna look it up in here exactly what grappling is. But it, the way I do it is, you just make a fighting roll. If you succeed at the fighting roll, after that, it's gonna be a strength contest to hold on. Right. You know. It's and that like, makes sense to me. That makes the. You know, it's the easiest. And uh, fuck, they don't have grapple in here. Yeah. <laughs> Savage like, Worlds is like fuck it. Way to go! It's <laughs> like yeah, and that's exactly how I deal with it. You know, it's just like there's no reason. Not to, you know, it's just like, and then after that, it depends if you want to do damage or not, and that's just going to be strength. Right. So, you know, it's just going to And that's be... just going to be a punch, and then you're going to punch them, and you're going to mm -hmm. do damage equal to your strength or whatever it happens well, to be. not even that. I mean, if you're holding on to somebody, you can be choking them or whatever, but, you know, right. whatever you're doing. But if you're going to do damage or you're just holding. But, right. yeah, actually, yeah, I would see, huh, goddamn, look at that. Way to go, guys. Yeah, and yeah, it's like you don't need it. But you know, and it's and it's certain things that D and D really bug me. They're like, if you're grappled, you can't use a large weapon. I'm like, really? Because if somebody's choking me, let's say they got a hold of me by the neck, I have a sword. Yeah, what, whack them in the freaking head. What, yeah. What's gonna stop me from whacking them? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I have a dagger, so I can poke them in the eye. I guess you know, it's the mm -hmm. same thing. I mean, I get it if you're like, I mean, I suppose the rule, you know, if you if they got you in close, you know, face to face or whatever, yeah, you're not gonna stab them with a long yeah. sword. But just but, some of the rules are just so... But it becomes too situational then, you know? It's yeah. Because then all of a sudden you need a... And it's probably what D&D &D is trying. Well, in second ad, they had the stupid facing where it was just like... It was crazy bullshit. You had to know what arm your... your uh, your uh, Oh, shield was shield on. Shield was on, and then you had a higher AC to that. Oh, my God. That stuff was just mm -hmm. like crazy stupid. And 
we never had, I never had a DM, and when I ran second end, I never ran it where it's like, all right, which hand is your shield hand, and which way are you standing? Yeah. You know, I was like, well, this is like your AC. Annoying. You know, yeah. it's just like it's annoying to deal with, and that's why I kind of like Savage World. This and it's, is, but it it's shows and rough. You right. know, it's like you just boom, 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 and you're done. You know? Right. And like, and the thing about D and D though, and that's the reason you can tell that came from a miniatures game, mm-hmm. because when you're playing miniatures, if my miniature is facing you straight on and doesn't have a shield, versus his shield's to his side and he's turned sideways to you, then you know I get it. Mm-hmm. But you can't, and, and they've learned that over the years too, that you can't do it the same exact way you did your yeah. miniatures gaming. Yeah. I don't know. What else you want to talk about? Anything? Um, I don't know. We're, we're going to be like an hour in now? <laughs> 45 minutes. Oh, jeez. That's a short one. Um, and that's okay. You know, I it, can't it's... I really think anything else. I mean, okay. That's fine. Of... We can we can uh, jump into um, teaser for next week, the randomness that that is my mind. And then... Um, oh, not... how did EagleCon go yesterday? Oh, EagleCon was fine. We did the... Um, we did the uh, auction like I've done now. I think this is my sixth year that I was the auctioneer or one of the auctioneers. We actually had three this year. We've always only had two. We had mm-hmm. three this year, and it worked out so much nicer. Who's your third? Uh, Scott Scott Ahern. Oh, okay, Scotty. He was right. there, yeah, and uh, it works out so much nicer because it used to be you do your your, your thing, mm-hmm. you'd have to jump back, grab another one while he's the next guy's doing his thing, and it was just constant. Where oh. when you had that third person and I gave you that moment to kind of go. You know, what am I selling here, you know? So, um, and, of course, that auction they do for the uh, St. Paul's uh, Food Bank down in Point. And I think we're probably somewhere – I mean, I'm just – I haven't heard numbers or anything yet, but just from what I sold stuff. And I'm guessing we're probably in that area of five, six hundred bucks for the food pantry. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. So that's – yeah, that's not bad at all. So um, I had some fun there. I picked up a little – for lack of a better word, a, a playing card, but it has Spike from the Angel series on it. Okay. And um, embedded in the card, which is in sealed in plastic, is a piece of his leather jacket from the Angel series. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. I picked that up. Uh, I managed to talk the guy down a few bucks. So, I mean, it still wasn't super cheap considering it's a card. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was so, yeah, I had a bunch of fun. Played um, played Roadkill Rally for the first time. Oh, how'd that go? Uh, it was fun. We didn't finish because we ran out of time because we had other stuff to do, but you get to run around and run over pedestrians and, you know, chickens and cows and okay. all kinds of fun stuff. Interesting. Okay. So. Oh, it's... and by the way, um, we are going to change gaming a little bit, I think. Okay. I'm getting a lot of flack from the Wifel unit, um, which is my wife, Nikki. Um, she would like us to do like a one night Sunday board gaming. Okay. So it's like three nights role playing, one night board gaming. I'm okay with that. So I mean, I, she, somebody's getting all. We have 900 games and we don't play any of them. So I'm like, all right. And he's not exaggerating. I think you do have 900 games, don't I, you? It's right around there. It's a shit ton. But um, they're a metric shit ton at least. They're a long <laughs> metric shit ton. It's a lot. There are a lot of freaking games there. And so she's kind of like, it's like we need to play more of these games or have people over. And this is like, okay. So, um, so I think it might be one thing we might make maybe like the last week of the year. Or last, last week, week of, of year, each month. Last week of each month or something like that. Maybe we make that like board gaming. That would be like board game night. Okay. So. That makes sense. All right. So next week I have another one of our fellow gamers coming on. I have Rick Amelsey coming on. Uh, he's been a guest before. I think he was here on episode 10. Um, so it sounds like I'm running out of people to bring on the show, but I'm really not. I've got some new guests coming up. It's just... I like to bring these guys back because I like to sit and talk to these guys. So 
what the hell? Um, last time we talked about being a dad. Fun and interesting things Rick will have to talk about next week. Who knows? Rick is... He's one of those guys, he's got a lot of hobbies and, and things that he does that are just a little odd compared to the, most of us. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, know what you um, get with Rick, yeah. However, I'm sure it'll be fun and, and most likely information uh, informative knowing Rick, so. That's true. So, ever thought to yourself, hey, I think it would be really cool to be a guest on this podcast. I wonder how to do that. Or, thought these podcasts are awesome, I wish I knew how to tell them. Well, today's your lucky day. That's right. You have two options on how to do either thing. You can email me at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook at Whose Podcast Is It Anyway. I look forward to hearing from you. All right, so quote of the day. Three things cannot be long hidden. The sun, the moon, and the truth. Said by Buddha. His time on actual time on Earth is kind of iffy. They don't know for sure, but... Um, he was uh, given the title Buddha, which which is an ascetic and sage on whose teaching Buddhism was founded. He believed to have lived and taught mostly in the eastern part of ancient India, somewhere between the 6th and 4th century BCE. Again, they don't have exact dates on that? Come on! They don't, <laughs> strangely enough. Um, and there's even, there's even some discussion on who Buddha really was. Um... You know, it's most likely that he was some sort of a prince that gave away his earthly wealth and mm -hmm. became the little fat guy that likes to laugh a lot, um, as he's de 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 depicted yeah, nowadays, nowadays everywhere. everywhere yeah. I, I love going into Chinese restaurants to see what kind of a Buddha they have mm -hmm. sitting there for you to put coins on, you know. Mm -hmm. With that, uh, I want to thank you all for listening in, and we'll talk to you next week.